Happy New Year, folks. It's always that kind of time of year, I think, I really enjoy of starting afresh and thinking and making plans and dreams of a, a year ahead. And it's been really nice to kind of just take a moment to reflect on the amazing guests that we've had on the podcast, not just in 2023, but over the last seven years, really, since we launched the podcast. We are still blown away by the fact that we are able to give you an episode every week, sometimes two, and that people want to come back, people want to come on the podcast and like you guys, you want to listen to it. So thank you so, so much. It gives us such warmth and confidence and joy going into a new year. So happy new year to you. Thank you so much for your support. It is hugely appreciated. And we have got some phenomenal guests coming up over the next few weeks um, that I've already recorded, which I'm really excited to share with you. There is so much great cinema around at the minute. There's so much for you guys to go and see. So I don't know, maybe it could be something that you start the new year with of trying to up your game when it comes to going to the cinema, because without your support in those environments, they're not going to be able to continue making the great films that we've had. So it's a great start to the year. There's some fantastic films coming out. Poor Things, the New York Ross Lanthimos film, uh, The End We Start From, uh, which stars Jodie Comer, The Holdovers, Alexander Payne's film. And it's just an abundance of stuff, which I'm really excited about. I'm particularly looking forward to Wicked Little Lies, Thea Sharrick's new film. And of course, June 2. Also, Daniel Kaluuya's made his first film with Kibwe Tavares. It's called The Kitchen. It's brilliant. I saw it at the closing night of the London Film Festival and it's finally getting a release, I think February time, but we'll keep you posted and the requests are in as well. Also, keep your eyes and ears out for a couple of things. We're going to set up a mailing list uh, for a number of reasons, but one of those being that because we're going to be running these Everyman Soundtrack and Film Clubs, we want to make sure that you're um, aware of when they're happening and where they're happening and how you can get tickets and stuff. So we'll make sure we share details when that's all up and running on how you can um, sign up for the mailing list if you want to. But anyway, I digress because our first guest of 2024, this is so exciting, is the wonderful Sophia Coppola, who joined me for one of those soundtrack and everyman film clubs that I mentioned in front of a live audience to discuss her latest film, Priscilla. Based on um, her own memoir, Elvis and Me, Priscilla tells, I should say Priscilla's own memoir, not Sophia's. Uh, Priscilla tells the story of her complex relationship with the iconic musician and was written and directed by Sophia. Uh, we had such a great night. And what's kind of really wonderful about this for me is that I was lucky enough that in April of 2023, I was on tour with the actual Priscilla Presley. Um, her people had got in touch and asked if I'd be interested in hosting a number of in-conversations with her around the UK. So we went all over the place, up to Scotland, we were in Newcastle, um, we were in Manchester, London. It was We did the Palladium in London, it was bonkers. And I have to say that she was the most captivating, charming, generous and funny woman. Uh, she has this beautiful laugh that's almost childlike that for me, and I was telling Sophia this, that it feels like it's almost like her laugh has been cryogenically frozen from that time that she met Elvis. It's a really candid and honest look at what she went through, really, and her relationship and her experiences of being a young girl and meeting this and being swept off her feet by this older man. And it doesn't really hold back, to be honest. And I love that Sophia kind of goes there and really shows you what 
her story and her life was like going through that as well. Um, it's had the seal of approval from Priscilla, but I loved it. I thought it was a great film. I love the way that she used music, as you'll hear. There's a reason that um, she used the type of music that she does. That's all they'll say, go and listen. Um, but I think that it works perfectly. And it also fits in with Sophia's kind of filmmaking technique, emotion, landscape, feel that she and textures that she has. So I think it's fantastic. And it's got kind of Sophia stamped all over it. The film features a, a kind of really wonderfully eclectic soundtrack with loads of contemporary music, including this by Dan Deacon, The Crystal Car. This theater is so nice. I was wondering why we don't have an everyman <laughs> in New York or LA. I'm so. sure they could yeah. sort something out yeah, for you for looks sure. So nice. Thank uh, you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for coming. I um, I'm so happy for people to see our film in a theater on a big screen. So thank you for coming. It is because it's a completely immersive experience. The way that you tell Priscilla's story, and I think you know, I said when I came out to introduce the film, you know, in terms of this is about her. This is this is her journey. What was it about the Elvis and Me, the book, that you really connected to, that really inspired you to to go on to write it, to make the film? Yeah, I was just reading it um, sort of for fun. I thought it'd be a juicy uh, Hollywood story, and I was yeah. really really surprised at that how little I knew about her, and also how relatable her story was. I didn't think I had anything in common with Priscilla Presley, and then she just tells the, st the story of all these um, moments in her life growing up that so many girls go through these same stages, but in such an unusual way. And, and I was just really touched by her strength to be able to leave at the end. Was it an easy screenplay to write? I mean, it's always challenging, but it was, I, I, I enjoyed it because it was really rich material and it was, um, you know, a fun puzzle to figure out how to translate it visually mm. and, and how, you know, what we had to, how to, how, to, how to give the impression of her life and we had to edit a lot out but just I just loved all the details in, um, in the way she wrote the book the, the you know how she put eyelashes on when she was going into labor and <laughs> and, and the gun, you know the guns and, and going to staying up all night and then having to go to school the yeah. next morning and when she arrives home in Germany with the, yeah. with the, with the mascara all down her yeah, face when I read that in the book I was like oh I can't wait to film that with her hair all messed up <laughs> and this mascara and the parents reaction so it had a lot of visual elements that were mm. um exciting to me how important was it to to have her kind of blessing or or have her be available yeah i mean because she's alive it was important i mean i i, I had wanted to get her rights to her story but also it was really important to me that i make something that she um 
felt good about and felt like it represented um, mm. her life. I really wanted to feel like her perspective and her point of view. And so it was the first time I had to sort of balance just how I wanted to make it and then think about, you know, the responsibility of representing her, her mm-hmm. story. I mean, what was that conversation that you for that first conversation you had with her about about this, you know, and about did she ask you kind of, you know, what's what's your vision? What do you want to do? Or, or what was that first meeting like? I asked to contact her and I called her out of the blue, which was I was a little nervous to call. And she answered the phone and I, I, I said that I, you know, I really loved her book. And would she ever be open to making it to a film? Because I, I didn't want to start getting into it and, and getting attached to it. And then she yeah. wasn't interested at all. So I just I asked if she would even consider it. And she told me that she would think about it, that she, that she really liked my work. So I was, you know, happy that she good had, start. Yeah, had seen my films <laughs> and that she felt like, um, she liked my films. And, and then I heard back from her that she said, yes, that she, um, you know, that she trusted me and that mm-hmm. I would, I would do a sensitive version of her story. So she had had faith in that. And then she was just really helpful about being open and answering my questions, but not, um, but also giving me the space to, yeah. you know, trusting me to do it my way but um she didn't come to sex i think she didn't want to make us nervous she didn't want to make kaylee nervous yeah um venice was nervous enough for kaylee that was that was amazing to watch yeah 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 kaylee saw it for the first time because we just finished it there with with priscilla there and um it it was really nerve-wracking and i i had shown it to her before when we were editing because i wanted to show it to her before it was done yeah and um i was so nervous to to show it to her and i was really relieved that she um that she was moved by it and felt, and she told me that that's what my life was like. And it really oh, wow. was gratifying. Well, is, is it, so you said about there being sensitive to her story, but you also, I, I think you kind of really give her a voice. You know, she fell in love with this guy when she was 14 years old and it's a kind of crazy story. And there's loads of questions surrounding that, but you know, they didn't consummate that marriage till she was 21. And that's something I was lucky enough to chat to her a couple of times and it's it's a story that she, you know, that she'll, she'll tell time and time again and she still holds this dear love for him in a way, doesn't she? Yeah, it's really interesting talking to her and, and, and it is the great love of her life mm. and she's and she's still protective of, of that relationship and um and that, you know, and, and how much it was uh, the love of her life. Yeah, but important to show the, the sort of light and shade of the relationship, which we really see, you know, in the film, she kind of has to deal with some pretty horrendous situations as well as the good times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was really surprised in the book that she was so revealing, and um, and it's yeah, it's pretty harsh the ups and downs, and I really wanted to show the kind of roller coaster feeling I imagined that it was like for her, and um, and it was important that it was um, that it was balanced, that there were the highs and the lows, and. And why you have to understand why um, she stayed with him. I, some people, when they read it, like for finances, they're like, you know, why was she with him? This doesn't make any sense. But I knew that he was um, so charming and loved. You know, I, I knew why. I knew why because she also had this incredible world open to her, and yeah. and she and he was so lovable and and vulnerable, and and so I could understand. You know, you can understand that yeah. that uh, the nuance of it and that uh, showing a complex relationship. Music with the film. The obvious thing would have been we need Elvis songs in there, but that wasn't going to be an, op- an option, was it really? Yeah, the state is very um, protective. And so I, I, I knew it, was, it would be difficult. I mm. thought we might be able to get a few songs because Priscilla, but but we, so we had a few that we wanted to use, but I knew that I shouldn't rely on them. And then we didn't get permission. So we worked around that and found 
other options and I'm really happy with the way it turned out. And it, and then it does feel like it's, it's more focused on, it is her story. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's so brilliant because we have this lovely introduction um, at the start. I wanted to ask you about how you decide on how you open the film actually. How, where and when do you make that decision? Cause it's a great opening. Oh, thank you. I think that was, um, no, when I sat down to start uh, imagining it as a film, yeah. the first thing I thought of was, um, the shag carpet and the drapes and what it was like at Graceland. And I just imagined her feet sinking into this deep shag carpet and, and just kind of really getting in her perspective. Mm. And then we kind of get straight in with the first needle drop, the Ramones, which is like a great choice. And that's, I think the really clever choices that you've made with the music throughout this film is that not for all of them, but a lot of them, they're kind of telling us almost narratively things about the situation, the characters, that's almost the the thing that they're not they're not saying. I don't know if that's fair point. Yeah, 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 definitely. I definitely, um, music is such a big part of it for me and it does communicate the feeling or, or, or yeah, the, the emotion of what's what's going on. And um, and this one was really fun to piece it together and find, find the sound of it. And I always loved um, girl groups from that, that era and Phil Spector's music. And then I remembered the Ramones to this album with Phil Spector. So we listened to that and, um, and to not have to, I wanted to feel in that time, but it's also a memory so we can take some liberties. It's not a documentary. And, and but as long as it feels like uh, it supports her, her story. those choices come about you know do you think of music choices needle drops when you're writing the script or because there's some beautiful moments also in terms of where you haven't used music it's kind of that's a really interesting journey as well but with regards to you know when you see the credits for the 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 music at the end there it's like there's a huge collection of songs in this film yeah, we were a low budget movie and we had so many songs. So Is that where all the budget went? Yeah, the, yeah that we went over budget on the music. That was, that was stressful. But once you get attached to a song or it works, it's really, uh, really hard Yeah, to work around it. But oh, I start thinking about the music when I'm writing the script. And in her book, she talked about Venus playing in the diner when she first meets um, the introduction to Elvis. And so I started listening to that a lot. And th- there's other songs that she talks about. So I listened to the songs that she mentions and just started, started thinking about that era and that feeling of music. And then my husband's band Phoenix, they helped me to start putting, um, we started, we made a shared playlist and we would put things on it that they found. And when I would think of something, so we were all kind of sharing ideas and, um, and it was helpful for me to listen to while I was writing the script and starting to shoot it. And Mm -hmm. then, um, in the edit, we, we kept going and, um, and my editor, Sarah Flack, who I've worked with for a long time, had, 
had um, this playlist and then could drop things in. And she's really great with music. And mm. so then she started having stuff to work with. And then in the edit, we we found its shape more. Do you ever play music on set? Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I, I like to um, sometimes we'll play music during a scene and it just helps with the atmosphere. And um, Kaylee listened to the Dolly Parton song when we were filming that last moment of her driving away. Really? And I think it really helped her, you know, added to the emotion of that moment. If I should stay I would only be in your way So I'll go But I know I'll think of you each step of the way He was supposed to record that as well, was he not? Was that- yeah, there's a story that there's a history of that song that um, Elvis was going to record it, but he wanted to own the song. Mm-hmm. And so, and Dolly said no, she kept the rights, which was a big deal at that time because she, you know, would have made her song a big hit. And yeah, and she had the, you know, the, the strength. And, she waited for Whitney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she knew, yeah. No, she, yeah, to say no to Elvis at that time and keep the ownership was, um, you know, a big yeah. deal. That, that, that story had, resonates in the back about that song. The um the the score is 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 wonderful as well because you've got this I mean it's music from the twenties right through with regards to the needle drops kind of it goes through so many decades and it's so great because you have kind of flashes of contemporaneous and it's um it just works so well with the aesthetic of the film I think as well and the story oh, really really does and then the idea though of of the score and what you asked of Thomas and and Phoenix with regards to things and where that would need to go and and what were the conversations you had around how it would sound, the musicality of it, the instrumentation, that kind of thing. Yeah, they had this idea of doing um, uh, instrumental uh, version, simple instrumental versions of Venus and that becoming kind of her theme song. And then they had worked with this band Sons of Raphael and I thought that they would, their music would fit in, which um, they they did, um, I think they did the cue where she's standing at the window and there's like a long zoom out and, I just wanted to have this really big romantic full sound that like melodramatic scores used to have yeah. in movies of that time and um and the song at the end they did so it has that kind of fairy tale romance aspect that I wanted the, the story to have and so it's fun to how do you create that with the sound as well as yeah. the visuals and um and so so you know we talked about that and they brought up ideas connected to what I was looking for and then found music that tracks that I didn't know about from that time and then we weren't yeah we weren't limiting to that era we were like let's it could be anything that fits into this and um then they played me the spectrum song that was kind of related to an evie sands song of of that time so there's always a connection to that era and to phil specter and um and then kind of piecing it together and hoping it's not a frankenstein
um, the, the the queue when they're coming out of the hotel in Vegas with the, oh, the dark love, with dark glasses on. It's kind of it's just uh, it's great. It's the way that it kind of gives a sets a tone an attitude without any dialogue needed as well. That's the kind of is is that idea of not putting music in things is that as difficult as knowing where to put music. Yeah, I, well, I thought the silence was really important. Uh, really, I was really trying to show the difference about um, how it felt when Elvis was home and when he was away and how the whole atmosphere and the energy changes. And when he's there, there's just lots, so much, so many people around and yeah. the radio's on and the TVs are on. It's just like a totally different atmosphere than when he leaves and how quiet it is and to really have the contrast of the the quiet um, and when he's there. And even the editing style is different when he's there. It's more energetic and then it's more simple when she's on her own it's that scene where she's kind of sort of testing out all the chairs oh, yeah, in, yeah. in in Graceland and it's there's you know there's no there's no music it's kind of it's really it makes it kind of it makes you feel lonely watching it yeah I just thought it was so uh, striking that she came finally came to be there with him and he wasn't there he was off shooting and then she's alone in this house and kind of imagining herself as the woman of this house and how she can fit in there and mm. And kind of find find her way in this new role, but um, but yeah, we definitely um, use the sound as a way to to, to show the difference of um, of her kind of isolation alone, and then when she's there and, and like wrapped up in the world of his world. Mm-hmm. What about Kaylee? I mean, she's just extraordinary in this film, and, and what a, a huge task to cover someone over a, a long period of time, but particularly a woman and the changes of a woman through those years specifically, you know, from kind of 14 to, I don't know what age. She's like 29 at the end. At the then, end yeah. there. That's, I mean, it's a big yeah. old kind of, she does it so great. Yeah. What, was she easy? Was she your kind of first choice? Was it a, a discovery? Was it a, a journey to, to find in your Priscilla? Yeah, no, it was definitely, I was like, how am I going to find one actress that can play 14 to, you know, almost 30? And, um, but my casting team told me about Kaylee and when I met her, she has such a baby face. I remember her actually sending a tape in for something else and I was like, no, she's way too young. Like, I, <laughs> so I remembered that about her and then, um, yeah, and then they always said, said that they shot, you know, she was talented and then, um, then I met her and thought she was really thoughtful and, and, you know, you could tell a lot just from meeting someone and talking to them and what they're what they're like and yeah. if you feel like you can connect with them in some way. Um, so yeah, and I was, I was really impressed cause we shot the movie all out of order very quickly and, um, and that she could keep track of, you know, she's playing a teenager in the morning and the afternoon she was pregnant and oh my, she oh like could keep track of it. Yeah. Wow. And, and somehow when I saw it in order, I was like, Oh my God, she really did this subtle, um, progression, but it, we were shooting all over the place and wow. And, um, that's, that's it's incredible. Yeah. And she, and she really, when she, plays younger she really um her voice and body language and everything mm-hmm. i thought was really believable yeah absolutely that's bonkers that in one day she's got to kind of cover that um and the the storytelling and the costumes as well was just and the hair as well the height of some of those yeah. i mean i don't know i mean i know that kind of that jacob's kind of really tall anyway so that must have been a yeah. that must have helped in a way in terms of just make her hair higher yeah. then it, they seem less kind of you yeah. know height difference sort of thing as well but yeah. talk to me a little bit yeah, about <laughs> talk to me a little bit about that journey of the um you know of the makeup and how important that is to the to the character and her particular story yes it always tells so much the costumes tell so much about a character and who they are it helps the director so much but this one especially it was really showing what what stage she was at we were really working on her 
you know, development. So it helped keep track of where we were in her story and, and the clothes did so much of, yeah, her age and how she was feeling and, and making that transition from this little girl in Germany to, you know, trying on women's clothes and, and ultimately at the end finding her own sense of herself. So the costumes really helped us place where we were. And the hair and makeup was fun to have all these reference photos of the real time. And, and yeah, it's crazy how some of the hair, it reminded me of Marie Antoinette, like, cause we would tell her age by how tall her hair was. <laughs> Can I ask a random question? Yeah. The, when in the, the scene where she's trying on, she's in the shop, they go shopping for the first time and it's kind of Elvis and, and all his mates, like, you know, and she's coming out, bless her in all these different outfits. And there's a dress that he, she comes out and it's a pattern. And it's like, I don't like brown. It reminds me of the army. And then at the end, when she goes in the room, the hotel room, and he tries to, you know, he sexually abuses her almost, you know what I mean, at that point. Is it the same dress or is it the same fabric? Oh, no, that's oh. interesting, but it's very similar. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, it is, it's similar, but, um, but no, it wasn't the same dress. But there, but Stacey did things like, um, when he says he doesn't like print dresses, mm-hmm. then there's a scene where she confronts him about Anne Margaret, she's wearing a print. <laughs> yeah. And Stacey's like, she's being defiant, she's wearing a print, <laughs> a bold print, you know, like, yeah. so, so there are little clues, you know, within the, the costumes and the palette and everything. What direction did you give Kaylee before you shot in terms of helping her? find that prep that she needed yeah we talked before and she both of them just worked on the research of learning about the character and the time but I think her spending time with Priscilla really informed a lot of what she was doing and like learning how to how she spoke and just the essence of her I felt like after she spent time with her then she was able to kind of put that on and then bring herself into the character and um we just we just talked about it and um and then found our way as we're filming and what about Jacob as your Elvis? He did a lot of research and then he worked with a voice coach and a movement coach. And and we always talked about how I wanted him just to have the essence of Elvis not to do a caricature or an impersonation, which was would be distracting. And it was really important. And so he really got that and was able to kind of just incorporate it into making him a human. Well, I think that that's what, you know, I love about so many of your films is that idea that you're taking us behind the curtain with, with these characters. And that's that's the Elvis that we see in this film. You know, it's not the Elvis that we see on stage. It's the Elvis that is coming back from tour, that is coming home, it's sleeping all day sort of thing as well. So yeah. it's it's finding someone that we've never really seen really in a way. Jacob was really smart about it. He, he would listen to Elvis like at press conferences and then he would imagine like how would he have speak, that's not how we'd speak at home. How would he be at home? What would the real Elvis be? And he had to kind of invent that. And it was just really important that we were showing them, yeah, behind the, behind the scenes in their real life. And and with regards to to that um, those moments that we see in the film are those, you know, there are iconic moments that we we I remember seeing those kind of pictures, you know, whether it's the family, the three of them having the family portrait yeah. taken, or that shot of them in the car as he's leaving Germany, or the wedding shot, yeah. that kind of thing. Was that kind of fun to sort of pinpoint those yeah. specific moments to? I mean, recreate to a point, but you've, you know, yeah. but you've got, but with your creative license in there as well. Yeah, those were always exciting when we were doing a scene that was such a famous moment. We had all our research photos and then to see like, oh, it really looks like that to us. I mean, but yeah, we weren't doing an exact replica, but um, we were definitely trying to make it feel like those moments, how we remember them. And and the, the wedding moment with her under that flower archway and her talking about her wedding day is this kind of performance and press conference um, we you know really wanted to capture that. So those moments were really exciting when we we saw them come to life and the 
hair and makeup people were working so hard to get it yeah. to look um, really as true to the real moment. I love the size of our mum's flower, <laughs> flower corsage. corsage. Huge. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. massive. It's so great as well. Yeah. But it's kind of almost that thing where I, I guess it's the, you know, it's it's exaggeration, that opportunity yeah. to kind of exaggerate things. And Yeah, it was really, it was so over the top at Graceland and this kind of just lavishness without being, you know, too kitschy. But it is kitsch, oh, uh, Graceland. <laughs> yeah. so. Did you, how did you, how did you film your Graceland? Did you have to build it? What was the... Oh yeah, we built it all. We shot in Toronto oh, wow. and we built it all on a stage and we, um, it was built, the, the main living room was built to scale of the real Graceland, except for it has taller ceilings for Jacob, because it's so tall. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to, to go on the stage and, and see it being built and, you know, pick out the, the shag carpet and the drapes <laughs> and the exact, you know, blue and, and, and the... Tamara, our production designer, was great, but she um, and she always said we're not doing a documentary, but we mm -hmm. wanted it to feel authentic and not to be distracting, and really hopefully create a world that the audience could get lost in. Yeah, because I love those moments where you almost give us a real close up on their trinkets, or you know whether it's her little china tea tea set, or um, the Marlon Brando poster in his bedroom in Germany, or. Uh, when she's un taking the things out of her her makeup bag and things like that, that's part of the storytelling. You know, it's telling us things about where they are, who they are, what they're thinking, their dreams, aspirations, all that really. Yeah, to me, those details are so important and, and says so much. And yeah, and him wanting to be a serious actor and, you know, really admiring Marlon Brando. That was so important to his frustrations creatively later on. And, and I love the moment where she's unpacking her toiletries because that's such a... Thing identify with when you're in a place and, and your identity of you know with your perfume and um so I, yeah I just I, I those moments that kind of ground it in reality and make it feel close to you you mentioned earlier about that there you know you in the edit suite there's a there's a there's a whole load of things that that didn't make that end do you enjoy that side of of filmmaking you know in terms of there are different it's almost you kind of go in with one film and you come out with another sometimes but what was that journey for this film with you going into the edit suite yeah, it was, it's always really fun to get to the edit because you're finally putting all the images together and seeing it take shape and adding music. Um, but it's also really hard. You're just lost and it doesn't work for a really long time and you have to have faith that it's going to turn into something and, um, and and to know it's hard to cut things out. Especially this one was really hard to cut anything out because the images were so beautiful. They're so beautiful and the sets and costumes. I was like, oh, no, I can't cut that out. I, like it's, It made it really hard to cut things out. But um, some, we had montages that were too long and... And I'm glad that, you know, that we still got to keep them in, but we shortened things. And it was, it, yeah, it's always hard. But then you, then um, you, you find it, ta it takes its shape. But it's kind of, it's hard to always know when to stop, you know, because. Yeah. How do you? I think you run out of money and you're just like fed up. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, okay, we can't do this anymore. You kind of go crazy. Like I can't try every ver variation of that. There's just, it's really like tiny little changes that you go over and over. Um, so at the end, you just kind of have to walk away. If you got someone who kind of gives you a deadline and kind of goes, okay, this is the this is the cutoff point. We have to be, yeah. I mean, with the budget, you're the producer. Like, we only have a certain amount of weeks <laughs> for editing, and then we're always, oh, we need one more week. We need one more week, and then finally, <laughs> you, you just you just have you kind of run out of time at a certain point, and it just um, you can go crazy trying every variation. And um, but yeah, it's I, I I'm lucky that I have the same editor that I really trust. That I've worked with mm. a long time, and it's good to take breaks and get some kind of perspective because you kind of lose sight of what you're doing considering the story that you really enjoyed reading going back to it for a second time and 
Was there anything specific that you really wanted to address about her life in this story that you're happy that you you kind of covered and went there with? I was just glad to be able to tell her her story and and just I thought it was just such a unique, interesting story that we'd never we've never heard. She's such a famous uh, part of American pop culture history, and I was surprised how we knew know so little about her. So I thought it was just really interesting to show. Um, yeah, to just show what her experience was like. Would you say there's a piece of information or advice or something that you that she said to you when you were having those initial conversations that was the most important going into this project? I think it just that just that um, the, you know the love that they had between them that was really important for her to come across. He could have easily come off as a villain the way that you know the, the way the scenes are, but um, it was really important for her that the love between them was there. What did she say when she saw it for that first time? Yeah, she said, um, you know, she said, oh, my God, that was my life. And she was really moved. And she said, you did your homework. So I felt I felt that was the best calm. Phew. Yeah, I felt really relieved. <laughs> did she like the music? Oh, yeah. I don't know if we talked about the music, but she, I remember her talking about, like, she remembers listening to some of it. Yeah, she seemed like she did. Are you at a stage now because the way that you, you, you know, historically brilliantly use music in your films, is it a case now that you can get, you know, is it Randall, your music supervisor, can kind of go to anyone and go, oh yeah, Sophia, we'd love to use this in the film. And they go, yeah, sure. It's still expensive. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, have whatever you want. Um, no, I mean, pretty much people are, yeah, some people are, are happy to be on the soundtrack, but then still there's some that are really expensive still. They don't care. They yeah. just, you know, it's the estate normally. The estate needs it. And they, if they have a lot of heirs, they need to keep the price up. <laughs> and we're always like begging for a deal. It's um, it's such a funny journey, that whole side of things, you know, in terms of you had an element of that, I guess, as well with, with, with trying to or initially asking for Elvis music. But in hindsight, you must be glad that you didn't because it's not about him. It's about her. Yeah, I'm glad we had a um, I think Are You Lonesome Tonight? You heard his voice when he first leaves and she's alone, um, missing him in Germany. And I and I really liked it with that. But then um, the Phoenix guys realized that. Love Me Tender was based on a, a Civil War song that's public domain. So they recorded that. So we have that. And it's like a hint of her remembering him, but in her own way. And yeah, and I think it ended up working. We had to be more creative and find other solutions. And, and it's kind of cool that it's Elvis and Priscilla's story through her eyes with none of his music. Did Jacob enjoy that little element, though, where he did get to kind of be Elvis? You know, those two bits where he's in the in the leather yeah, suit and then with yeah. the wings and the kind of suit. Yeah, I think he was the most he was the most nervous about performing because he's not a singer. He's not that kind of a performer. So he was really worried about getting that right because that had that had to, you know, look right. And it's a kind of a tall order to be able to perform like Elvis and not look like a per- impersonator. Um, but so we, you know, kept it really abstract. And, um, I think when he put the jumpsuit on, he kind of got into care. He felt it. <laughs> you can't not surely. It's like yeah. instant kind of Elvis gratification in a way for yeah. sure. And I love the 68 special, the leather suit that, um, and th- those were both made by the real guy that made Elvis's. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It was so cool. He's still in business. If anyone needs, a, if anybody needs an Elvis, Elvis suit, yeah. you know where to go. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Was it easy? Just a couple more questions before we run out of time, but when you were, you know, there, there's so much in the book and I loved, um, I had, I got the audio version, so it's her reading it to you and she, you know, and the way that she tells it and her little giggles, yeah. she's got this amazing laugh that's almost feels like it was her laugh when she was 14 that hasn't changed yeah. at all. It's infectious. Yeah. So lovely. But there was so much in the book in terms of 
knowing the moments that were important for you to show in the film, was that easy to navigate? Because there was so much you could have chose from. Yeah, no, it's always hard to, you know, you have to, it's really an editing process, adapting a book. And I just started with all my favorite, I thought the parts that really stood out the most and, um, and then, and then kind of went through and how to connect these together. But I, I had to cut out, there were a lot of things that I, I loved that I had to cut out and I had to combine things for, for production, like to have the same location. And it's a little bit of a puzzle, but it's a fun puzzle. Did Dolly say yes, by the way, when you asked Dolly for I Will Always you, Love You? Yeah, I'm so glad that we um, yeah, we, that we got her song. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't have a backup plan. We're like, we have to have that song. <laughs> yeah. That's almost yeah. good in a way. It's good because yeah, then yeah. you kind of manifest and it's like yeah. it will happen. I wrote her a letter saying, Did please, you? any any good rate you can give us because it was really expensive. <laughs> and um, and they gave us a little bit of a break. But yeah. Great. Yeah, we still have to pay. It hurts. Yeah. It's a business one. But, no, but I was like. We need we need all the help we can get. A little dolly discount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <From> the artist. <laughs> yeah. What do you know what's next? No, I know I've just been working on this and um and so I haven't paused, so just uh, I have to regroup. Well we look forward to what's next, but thank you for this wonderful journey you've taken us and, and to kind of given the world and given Priscilla a real voice and her story. Well, thank you. And I'm really um excited for people to see it in a the theater and have that communal experience of watching movies yeah. together so thanks for coming thanks so much Sophia Sophia Coppola everybody Thank you. Track to Priscilla, that's My Elixir by Sons of Raphael. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Sophia Coppola. Massive thanks to Sophia and her reps and her team, in particular Bumbo, for taking the time to talk to us and helping us set that up and for letting us screen the film quite a few weeks before its release and of course to the team at Everyman who always make us feel incredibly welcome and we are so excited where this partnership is going to go in 2024 Priscilla is out to watch in cinemas now so get along if you can to watch it on the big screen we've already done a couple of other live shows with the likes of Emerald Fennell and the team behind American Symphony which you can find at edithbowman.com along with every other single one of the 400 plus episodes of the podcast including my previous chats with Sophia follow us on socials we're at Soundtracking UK and please do subscribe to our YouTube channel for loads of extra video content in fact that Taika chat that I talked about is up there now just visually I love the way in the set that we had to record that chat so go and take a look and subscribe whilst you're there next up the wonderful George Clooney and Callum Turner, who's the lead in his film, The Boys in the Boat, a true story about the kind of underdogs done good in a sporting film. So uh, George Clooney in his usual charming self, joined by the wonderful Callum Turner to talk about The Boys in the Boat is our next episode. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Happy New Year again, friends. <laughs>